Hello there. Podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host Amon Kusro. How are we doing today, Amon? Hello there, Jesse. I'm doing good. Can't complain. A little tired today, but I have had it's a theme. It is a theme. I'm actually a very tired man. I just I'm always on the move, man. I feel you got to put in the work to do the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of work. Yeah, to do that. So that's how I feel like life's been moving, but. A bit of a not slower weekend, I want to say, but I didn't have to leave my zip code, actually, which was very nice. You get about a week or so of that before that changes again. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to New York, actually, the weekend before. I don't know if I told you this, but I'm flying out of New York now. You're not even going home. No. Before you go to Denmark. No, that is a change. I did not know about yeah. that. And it actually saved me 200 bucks on my ticket, so. Flying out of Newark. Yeah, and it's it direct. Which is perfect. So I don't have to do any stops or anything. Mine is not direct. This is fun because we were just talking about this on the Candid Cantina recently, but we've skirted around it in the main feed a little bit. Yeah. But of course, me and I'm going to the World Team Championship for Marvel Christ Protocol, playing on the United States team, respectively. Excited about it. And it's happening. I didn't think it was going to happen for me, to be honest, Simon. So I'm, I'm thrilled it's happening, period. Yeah, this is also something we've mentioned on the Candid Cantina, but and perhaps even... Something is that we've just been chatting amongst ourselves, but it's very hard to balance multiple games in general. And so as a normal player, let's start there. Yes, that's true. I don't think we're giving ourselves. Then you add a creator or maybe a competitive player as layers on top of that. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so as we've stated many times, and as you I'm sure can tell, Jesse and I like to play things at a very competitive level, but in order for us to compete we like to explore and create content as well so it's hard to do that for three different game systems between mcp shatterpoint and warhammer underworlds i feel like i am being stretched thin so i think one of them might have to be sacrificed but trying to figure out which one it is obviously it's not shatterpoint right so it's one of the other two now so we'll see how that pans out well it's tough too because to be a competitive player Something we certainly don't have the time to do, but a lot of competitive players do, is just slam games of the same thing over and over and over again, right? And being creators and artists within this medium to create content, for you guys, we don't think that's very good content to just play the same thing over and over again. So I think Amon hinted at it recently on a lot of our recent episodes, and I did too. It's like, Amon's going to be dabbling in some light side. I'm going to be dabbling in some dark side just to keep ourselves as rounded as possible when it comes to our strategy segments, everything like that, right? So yeah, if I wanted to be like the best Republic player in the world, I just only play Republic, right? Exactly. That's what I've done for a long time, but that's got to change and it has been changing. And we're going to talk about a little bit about that today. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, you mentioned this very quickly about being the best player of X faction or game or whatever. And it's, that's more the way I am. No, same, same. Trust me. I think that's why we get along, but it's just so hard to define, like unlike Michael Jordan or even LeBron, you know, you, it's hard to have that conversation for games because region is a big difference, right? So you could be the number one player in North America 
And that's what LVO does for MCP, right? Is you can be the number one North American player. That's right. But yeah. what does that mean for people who live in in the UK, in Oceania, in Asia, right? So many different things. So it's very hard to quantify that. And I don't know if people will ever will. And online leagues kind of help bridge the gap and allow people to play together. But online leagues also have their own sets of challenges, pros and cons, which people can argue can take away from the legitimacy of being number one or further enhance the credence that they are the best player in the world, right? So it's very interesting to talk about these things. And I think it's fun to set goals like that. Like truly, like my goal since I've ever started playing Warhammer Underworld specifically has always been, I want to be the number one player of all time. Do I think I'm the number one player of all time? No. There are two people who I can think of that just showed extreme dominance at one point in time. But how do you define that? Is it just how many trophies you have? Because then you got to think about it this way. The people with more financial resources, right, can go travel to these events more and set themselves up for the opportunity to win more. And it just not necessarily be financial. Like if you have a kid and I don't have a kid, right, I can travel more than you factually, right? So there's presumably play more games than me too. Presumably, yes. In theory. Yeah. So it's a safe assumption. If you're a present parent. Yeah, true. <laughs> Between you and me, like we have so many things that keep us busy outside of our yes. fun, right? Whether it's family or business or work or your SO or your hobbies or your fitness and your health, right? Like there's so many things that we have to do in a day that it's been tough to juggle. And so I think what's going to help me personally is removing one of those game systems from my repertoire. I just don't know how or which one to pick. And it's so tough. It is really tough. Yeah, we're probably gonna talk more about that on this feed and definitely the Candid Cantina. But I'm really happy to be traveling at all at this high of a level, right? For this premiere of an event like we are. And hopefully maybe in the future, we get to do this very thing for Shatterpoint, you know, but not only perform well, but get to meet all you guys in a more centralized place like Europe or something. That'd be so cool. And time will tell. We'll see what the game grows into, but it seems like the game is growing massively at a competitive and casual level. And we're seeing those trends, I think, like with the online TTS leagues, with our Hello There leagues. But then at the same time, Mon and I have been playing in local events and kind of gauging people's thoughts, feelings, things like that on the game as that. And then we have stuff like the LVO event coming up in January, which is an after hours event, but I mean, it's sold out for Shatterpoint, right? And you know, shout out to Accuser who's running that and putting a lot of work into that from the Discord. And I think that's very noble to do that because I think that's going to give us a lot of feelers on what this competitive in-person community is going to look like because as great as the TTS leagues are, especially the greater TTS league, which does cover a lot of those barriers that Amon and I were talking about, it's still a different format of the game that is harder to quantify in my opinion. And it's harder to quantify player skill because it is the comfort of your own home because you can learn the maps because you can be just better at computers than your opponent. Like there's a lot of elements that matter and sometimes it's fiddly, you know, sometimes lag comes into your games and really causes issues or sometimes the dice roller doesn't work, right? Like things oh, happen. Yeah, that definitely happens. And I do think that these games we play, there's a really interesting element that's always fascinated me is that physical element, you know, of standing all day over tables, judging distances without your range rulers, you know, making the right calls at the right times. So there's so many elements of both sides of the coin I'm on that have validity. And I'm curious the way it goes going forward. But 
either way, both sides of the coin are progressing pretty rapidly at this moment. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I suppose, and all of that by saying, also, we genuinely appreciate all the effort and work and time people put into the online stuff. And it's really interesting because a lot of the maps that have been made are fantastic, right? Yeah. But from a ultra competitive, or not even ultra competitive, but from a standard competitive viewpoint, some of the maps, I think sometimes look really cool. So the form is amazing, but the function is a little tough. We'll talk about this a little bit more in our main topic of today when I talk about my top cut game with Morgan. But sometimes the terrain does not agree with the way that the game is supposed to be played. And so I think it's important and cognizant to have map makers take into account function first and foremost while making a cool looking map. And I'm very excited to attempt to even make a map of my own, right? Because I want these games to look cool. If you want to play casual Shadowpoint, great. Jump on. There's these beautiful Endor maps, these Hoth maps, amazing stuff, truly. But then if you want to play to prepare for a competitive event or to just play in that sphere of competitive designed play how it was intended, then you maybe miss out on some of the more fantastical elements like, you know, having piping and tubes surrounding buildings or having these these spaces that help create visual interest, but actually are very mm-hmm. hard to play with in the game. That's well said. I think the other side of that facet is I think a lot of people naturally gravitate towards making symmetrical maps. And I think that's a trap, you know, because I think table edge should matter. Ingress points should matter. And variation height should really matter because we've got a lot of characters in this game that, you know, maybe have advantages or disadvantages with things like jump and things like that, or, you know, B1 battle droids. They don't fit certain places, right? But I think there's a lot of elements. And I just think we're still learning as a community how best to make terrain where it's fair for both players, but interesting decisions that are clearly not symmetrical, which I think is also good design as well. So I think we're learning a lot, Amon, and I think the TTS maps and the in-person maps continue to get better because people are learning how, quite honestly, positionally focused and different the gameplay of Shatterpoint is compared to other games, how the terrain does matter in a huge way. Agreed. I think in a lot of games, you have this idea of terrain being that third player, and I think Shatterpoint stays true to that at a higher degree than most other games. For sure. And it's tough because you want your maps to look cool, but you also want them to be functional. So, you know, instead of complaining about it, I'm going to try to be part of the solution. And so I'm going to try to create some maps and I'll send them in for, you know, approval. And if they get approved, great. If they don't, I'll take their feedback and move back with it. But very grateful Mm. again for the opportunities that all of the community members have created for us, whether that's in real life or on the screen. Well said, Amon, and we're going to continue this conversation shortly when we talk about my in-person tournament report and then some of our top cut games from the TTS leagues in particular. But before we do, we have some people to thank. Our patron support, hello there, at patreon.com slash hello there cast. If you enjoy our show, consider supporting us and joining our private Discord community after you do so. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. Absolutely. And joining our patron community, we have Ethan, Patrick, and Craig at the Padawan and Acolyte level. So thank you so much to the three of you for joining our community. Jesse mentioned that our Discord is popping. We have Hello There Leagues as well that, quite honestly, at this point, are rivaling 
the main TTS leagues That's right. in terms of just player participation, right? Then, of course, we have some great players in there as well. So if you're looking to get consistent games with friendly and skilled players, come come check us out. Please do. Yeah, we'd love to have more people enjoying this game throughout the week like we do on our Discord. Of course, we have some producers to thank. We need to thank Rusty Jedi Survivor, Jello Jedi Pirate, and Bounty Hunter Brady. You guys make this show happen. And of course, we've got ultimate producers, Amon, that directly contribute to every episode of the show. Sith Emperor Kevin, Grandmaster Griffin, and Daimyo Matt. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. And shout out to all three of you for not only being some of our executive producers, but also just being executive community members. The fact that you're always in sharing your thoughts, your work in progress, your hobby, and playing games with people outside of the leagues is fantastic. Yeah, you guys keep it up. It means so much to us. And, you know, all six of you are literally making the show happen for everybody else. Everyone on the Patreon means so much to us, but these people, these producers really are making an active choice to say, I'm giving more, right? So the hello there can function the way it does. So we really appreciate it. Hello there also has some excellent partnerships that we'd love to highlight very quickly. Our first one is Mr. Laser from mr-laser.square.site, your resource for everything Star Wars Shatterpoint. If you're interested in buying tabletop accessories or supporting your main game through Shatterpoint or other products, check them out. They have great prices and then you can use the code hello there 5 That's all lowercase, no spaces with the number 5. You can get an additional 5% discount on all purchases. Well, Sadamon, and of course, we could not do our show without Imperial Terrain, the top provider of Star Wars terrain for all game systems. But our focus is Star Wars Shatterpoint, and we really think Imperial Terrain has been putting out some amazing Shatterpoint-centric stuff that you can immediately integrate with your core set terrain or just make a whole new table on the side that's completely different, right, with a different theme and everything. So you could also use the code hello there 5 that's the number 5, at Imperial Terrain on all digital files for your printing needs. All right, Amon, let's jump right into our main topic today, which is my first in-person tournament battle report. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about this because we're starting to see more in-person events pop up, and it's exciting to help the communities push forward and grow through those experiences. So set the scene for me here. What was your intention going into the event in terms of like what you wanted to play? How many people ended up showing up? Let's talk about some of the tables and the maps and how and what you're doing to help support your community as well. Great questions, Amon. Yeah, and I think it is notable too, I say my first turn report, because genuinely, this is my first turn report. You guys know through this show, through the Discord, through other things, me and Amon have been part of Round Robins. We've been part of Community Leagues. We've been part of the Lothar League, right? But this is a little bit different. This is a proper three-round tournament. You know what I mean, Amon? Where it's like, the leagues are proper tournaments too, right? But if they're schedule your games with your opponent, it's you and someone else meet up, you fit it wherever, right? That's how our personal leagues have been going. And then the whole other league is a little bit different. This was a true in-person tournament and I really wanted to help my local store make it as efficient as possible. So I asked them what they needed, how we could help out, help organize and provide terrain. So I did just that. We ended up having eight players sign up. We did have one player drop the day of, so it dropped us down to seven. But I was thinking eight players, okay, well, I need to bring four tables worth of terrain. And then maybe someone else will bring terrain as well. And we can like put the best of the terrain we have out, right? 
as that discussion Amon said earlier, having fair boards with actual elevation changes and different themes. So it was fun the way the tables ended up working out because we only had seven players. I went ahead and just deployed three of the boards. So we had my Lothal board, which is like Tarkintown from Lothal with Sabine's TIE Fighter on it and other Lothal elements like the Lothal rocks. Then we also had the Sith Temple on Dathomir or Korriban, whatever your era of Sith you want to lean into, which is more, I would say it's the board with the least verticality, but it still has a lot of verticality, but it has a lot of ground scatter and statues and things like that. And then to round things out, speaking of Imperial Terrain, I brought the Forest Moon Village. Nice. It has a lot of bridges, a lot of trees, a lot of platforms, and that table was a hit all day. Some people walked up to that table and they felt daunting for them because some of them were new players. But, you know, when you always tell players, like, remember, you can always climb instead of advance, right? You can always end up by this ladder over here and grass up, you know, it kind of quells people's fears. So we kind of had indoor Sith Temple and Lothal. So we had different colors going on too, which is always important to me when I run tournaments for the Star Wars, because Star Wars has so many cool themes. You can do that, you know? So that's where we started. And like I said, we had eight players, but a player did drop right before. So we ended up having seven. So unfortunately we had a buy, which is just a fact of life with these tournaments, right? Mm-hmm. I do say that a buy in MCP or a buy in Shatterpoint is a very good win. Maybe not in the way of SOS, but in the way of points, it's very good. So if you're unfamiliar with the buy system in Shatterpoint, it gives you a two struggle win and three wounds on your opponent right? to help you f- for tiebreakers and stuff. And that's pretty good. I mean, that's that's a clean win. That's not a bad place to be at all. I mean, clearly that's better than a one struggle loss, right? Or a a zero loss, right? But we did have a buy straight out the gate. So let's talk about some of the players here were experienced and some were new, right? So I thought that was a really cool mix we had. And one of the only requests that like I was like, the TO there was like, is there anything we could do? It's like, well, maybe if you can try to pair experienced players with new players if that's necessary. But if not, if the if the pairings just land a certain way, like let it land. Mm. But I, I mentioned that because I was there. I was obviously experienced. Kyle was there, who's from our Hello There Discord. He's a very experienced player. He's my primary play partner. Kyle's experienced in everything dark side. And then we had a couple other players that I asked him, how many games have you played? And they said about 15 to 25 games, you know, give or take. Wow. And I was like, okay. So we had like four players who were very experienced, essentially, and four players who were fairly new. Mm-hmm. Kind of how it worked out. And so the tournament started. Round one, one of the newer players did get a buy, which I actually thought, I was thinking about this. I was like, is this good or bad? I think for the situation, it was actually good because the player got to watch a game. But it is unfortunate to go to a tournament and get like, it's just nature of the beast, right? We do know how this goes. But before I get into like the round one, you asked about my list, Mon, so I do want to mention that. So I did also go in this tournament with the concept of, I bet there's going to be a lot of newer players. In the very least, we're all new to the in-person tournament scene, right? So it's definitely new. So I was thinking, I definitely should not play something hyper-competitive. I definitely probably shouldn't play something that I know super, super well. So my first thoughts with that would, through my lens, would be, some sort of Obi-Wan Republic list that I just know like the back of my hand, right? Or maybe like a super aggressive negative play experience list, like a Vader Grievous type list. I, I was just thinking those two things are completely out. They just have right. to be. So the route I ended up going was Ahsoka Mall, all Mandos. 
no Django. Mm. And when I say all, all Mandos, Mandos, I mean all Corset. So my entire list was all Corset, which I thought was going to be new player friendly because all the players would be familiar with the characters, wouldn't be asking me a lot of questions about their triggers and can you or can you not do that? And everyone that sat down across from me was like, oh, you're playing Corset only. And they seemed to enjoy that. So it was the call I thought was right for the first tournament. And you guys know it's a list I've had fun with in the early days of the game. Me and Amon were kind of touting for this list early on, and we continue to with Lumi and the Ahsoka spot in particular. And I think it was the right call because I, no one felt overwhelmed. So I didn't have like a new model or I wasn't running a Vader Grievous thing or a Vader list maybe in general, you know? So that's kind of where I landed. And the cherry on top of this is my list was fully painted as well. So it was like, it was like multiple wins for me of enjoyment at the tournament, I think. Nice. That's important. Yeah. So let's get into round one. So round one, I played Amber. She was a newer player. She was also playing mainly Corset with a little bit of expansions, but I thought this was a cool list, Amon. It was Asajj, Obi-Wan, All Republic. So Asajj was kind of fulfilling a control role. Asajj and Obi-Wan. Do you remember the secondaries and the supports? Yeah, so Obi-Wan was with Rex and Commandos, so very strong, right? That Obi-Wan pairing we know. And then it was Asajj had the 212 and Padawan Ahsoka. Okay, that's interesting. So a lot of mobility, right? Like, essentially, if you think about it, Clone Commandos, Obi-Wan's got jump, Padawan Ahsoka's got jump, Asajj's got jump, Clone Commandos Yeah, a lot scale. of maneuverability, super interesting. We uh, sat down on the indoor table, too. Ooh, so <laughs> it almost kind of negates the benefit of your Mandalorian strategy because, well, see, like one of the things I really love about Premiere is that you can have that all Mandal list and then you go, you know, most terrain is preset. So you walk up to a map and you're like, oh, this is going to be great for Mandos. And then you play it. And in this situation, obviously, this is what you picked. I find it very fascinating that in a way, your opponent had access to maybe not as many jumps, but a significant amount of jumps to reduce the advantage that your list would bring. Right. And they potentially hit harder in melee because they have lightsabers. That's true. That's very true. I do have Ahsoka and Maul, though, who are just super fast, right? Which also is helpful to me. But as we know, one of Ahsoka and Maul's only true weaknesses is that they don't really, they don't have jump. You know, they just have a lot of moving. So... Amber was a newer player, but a very experienced Legion player. I will mention that. So that element was part of it as well. Mm. And this game was interesting. So in this game, I think we were seeing, I was seeing some of the way people look at Shatterpoint. They're like, oh, it's like Legion makes MCP or something like that. But it's really not at all, right? And I think Amber being a new player was was mentioning things like that. Like this reminds me of MCP or this reminds me of Legion. But in this game... I took struggle one very quickly because I think Amber being the player she was maybe was playing a little bit more like Legion where in Legion you're punished for aggressively putting your units out there early. You're punished in a huge way. You kind of have to slow roll your army up the board and kind of get in position. And instead of like aggressively jumping on the midline, Amber kind of like stayed back on her points and like shot into my team, you know, a lot. And so if Mandos can survive, they can score, you know, survive for a couple turns. And so the biggest part with this was if anytime Ahsoka comes up in this list, I try to reserve her because drawing her early is not very great. Similar to drawing Maul early is not great. And what you want to do is 
you want those Ahsoka identity triggers to go off. So she gets free moves right up the board round one. And sometimes with this list, people will aggressively shoot your mandos and wound them. And by the time second struggles around, whether you won or lost, whatever. But I mean, Ahsoka's fully at the midline. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things right. like that. I aggressively took points with my Mandalorians. I did a lot of recover actions. And I held Ahsoka and Maul as long as I could so they could impact points that were contested, right? And that's how I ended up taking this game. I ended up taking it two struggles back to back because I aggressively pushed on the points round one the most, you know? And that was the biggest right. thing. And I also think that... Something Amber and I talked about the, after the game, she was like, I think I held Obi-Wan too long. And that happened as well. Like she was trying to go for the perfect Obi-Wan, you know, reserve Obi-Wan, patience Obi-Wan. But by the time she finally did a big swing with Obi-Wan, we were well into struggle too, you know? Hmm. And Obi-Wan maybe could have been up on that midline holding a point easily by himself. You know what I mean? Especially with that identity, right? Just get back on the point. So it kind of gave my Mandos more credence. Gar continues to be insane as well. I'm on. He's no Django, but never forget when you set across from a good Gar player that, especially if you have larger base models like droids, Gar can shoot you in your deployment round one. And if there's ingresses that help him out and stuff that make it easier, he can definitely do it, right? So frequently, all these games of this tournament, I would shoot stuff in my opponent's deployment with Gar, pin stuff, and then jump him off his tree to a side midline point and score it right as an opener right. that's a pretty good opener you know as opposed to the Django opener which obviously is incredibly strong but you have to hold Django as Amon's very familiar with you have to hold Django to to go to someone and mess them up you know that's the interesting conundrum with some of the reserve mechanics which I like that it came up in this game is the fact that that's also part of the player skill is knowing when to go knowing when to reserve and knowing when to mm try to make good use of things because in a lot of games and with more of a general resource mechanic rather than an individual resource mechanic if you bank your force or if you bank some of your whatever resource and you're waiting for that ultimate moment then maybe you never get to use it at the correct time or in the most efficient manner and so sometimes it's just worth it to just pull the trigger and save your resources Absolutely. It's like the holding your ulti in a MOBA for too long thing, right? Sometimes it's better just to pop it early and use it maybe twice in a game rather than the one perfect time, right? So that's kind of definitely what happened in this game. And also too, Amon, like I think Gar brings a lot of power to this list, you know, despite not having Django insane power piece in the game. When you have Gar and you have Bo, and when they go on their activation, you get a global jump of any Mando on the board, right? There's so many elements of quick fast scoring. And this is one of those games. I, I won with two struggles. I did four wounds. That was it. You know, it wasn't like super aggressive game. Right. Okay. So quick dub. Yep. So I took that one two oh, and let's go to round two. Round two, I played Taylor, who was one of those more experienced players I'm talking about, but still new. Taylor was playing what Amon and I love to call the, the separatist list. You're bringing Kalani, you're bringing Kraken, you're bringing B1s, you're bringing Magnus, you're bringing Dooku, and you're bringing Grievous. Dooku and Grievous with all the droids, right? So Kalani gets maximum efficiency. And we rolled up to the Lothal table. This was a crazy game where I did similar things. I aggressively reserve my primaries to get to my Mandos faster because your goal with this list is to get 
Mando's up the board, scoring on points, get Bo up the board as quickly as possible to give them the bubble and mm-hmm. shoot people from range with Gar and pin them so they have a harder time getting up to your Mando's, right? So in this game in particular, Gar once again did the what I call the round one maneuver where he moves up, gets his focus, gets his hunker from his focus, jumps maybe to an ingress or something, shoots a battle droid in deployment, which is very easy to do, if, especially if your battle droid's at the top of that C-shape of the deployment from the primary right, puts a big old pin on them, so a bunch of damage, maybe a strain too or something, and then he jumps back on the point. It's a little bit safer spot, right? Well, now he's got a hunker, he's in there. He's scoring a side point maybe. And now Bo's with the primary Mando group. And once again, Maul and Ahsoka are just waiting. Maul's waiting for the perfect turn. Also, Mon, in this list, we all know the power of Maul going late, right? But in this list, I don't think it matters as much as Maul because he can frequently double move to a point, throw his saber with sinister cunning, move again to another point, right? And he's kind of doing what the rest of the list is doing. He's aggressively scoring. He's not so much killing, you know? Right. Meanwhile, Ahsoka's still in reserve. She's ready to come up the board and heal your Mandos or ready to come up the board and do a five dice attack on the opponent that wounded your Mandos, you know? So I know in this game that I have to, you know, I've been learning really well how to play against Separatists. And I think the best way to do a Separatist early game is to put out as many pins from range as you can, right? And many conditions from range as you can, because at least when Kalani and these other droids are and Kraken are moving the droids, at least they're taking maybe strains or they don't move at all. They just remove the pin, right? You just got to, it's just like the movies, right? The droids keep coming and you just kind of shoot at them, right? As many times as you can. And sometimes it means not even going maybe all the way through your tree or getting to an, an opportune spot, but you're, you'd rather take the less damage in more conditions, right? So right. another theme with this game was I won struggle one pretty quickly. And at the top of struggle two, he was putting all of his resources into Grievous. So Grievous went early, Grievous shatter pointed, right? And Grievous is like in my Mando lines, trying to remove a target and trying to do his spinning sabers into the other Mandos. Very, very strong play, right? And the tough part with that is Bo's bubble being up. It really kind of messes up some of the math. I mean, Grievous is going to get a Mando every turn, right? But sometimes he would maybe be short one or something like that. But Grievous is up in my lines. Now he's killing models and now Ahsoka's up the board. And this is going to be a theme to see the rest of this tournament I'm on where Ahsoka did all my heavy lifting of this tournament, whether it be through moving up to an ingress, going up, recovering a Mando, moving up an ingress, striking, shoving Grievous off the point, right? Outside of her own activation, right? Because I always keep her in Sheehan reverse grip because a shove on one and all the insane expertise that she has on her defenses too is kind of crazy. This is a theme too. Like this was me trying to play a fun core box list, but I think people are sleeping on Ahsoka, something we've been talking about a lot. But I also think Ahsoka's really good into the Separatist matchup, and I got lucky there, because she rolls seven defense on range, and that's really good with really good expertise. I don't know what your experience is with Ahsoka into the range list, but she definitely shines. No, I think Ahsoka has been something that's been top of mind for quite a bit for me. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Star Wars, Ahsoka is great right now, and I think that's been driving up her popularity. I mean, even our Ahsoka episode has been getting a lot of listens recently. So I think, yeah, she's really good in some certain knee situations. And outside of Republic lists, which I think is really interesting that she's probably not the best Ahsoka in the Republic synergy. I'm a big fan of her. I mean, like, you know, we've had 
people mention that she's really good into some of the more attrition-focused lists because, A, she can half the damage. It's a very expensive ability, but it can be clutch in certain situations. Mm-hmm. But also, she just benefits for when your units are attacked, right? And so as long as you can keep her positioning and top of mind, she should be able to get pretty much wherever she wants to go. And so that, I think, forces your opponent into decisions, which I think can be interesting. Of course, her defensive stats are awesome. You know, Anakin trained her to be a defensive monster. But it's it's fascinating, man. I feel like Ahsoka doesn't get the representation she needs in yeah. order for people to figure out how good or maybe what she's lacking. But I think her natural home is Republic for the most part. And she can't really be placed there because Ahsoka Padawan snips, right, is so useful. Yeah, and you get in the premier format, right? And it just kicks her out entirely like we did on our last episode. Exactly. But I think in one of these Mando's lists, she does shine. And I think she can have great opportunity and maybe some bounty hunter lists, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Bringing them some defensive stuff that maybe they lack or some repositioning. I did mention that Sheen reverse grip. I will talk about why I like it so much now. We've talked about our episode, but I think we've learned so much about Ahsoka since then. So for two expertise, I'm on on her defenses of the Sheen reverse grip. She gets two blocks, turn a crit down to a hit and a jump. And the jump is relevant because you get put in this position with Ahsoka if the player is a really good player where you don't know what to do. You don't know to if should I shoot Ahsoka and then she gets to jump and do some stuff or should I shoot her allies and wound them and she gets to dash and respond with me. And oh, what do you know? On her Sheen verse grip, she's got a shove and a damage as her first spot, but then her second spot is either recover of two or a jump and a damage. So once again, the ideal Ahsoka play is always having her position where she can do something not on her own turn. Right. right. So her ideal thing is doing something cool with her defensive expertise or doing something cool with her identity. So I said she did all the heavy lifting for me because she did. She did a lot of the, she did on this weekend in particular, she did a lot of denying my opponent points by jumping from her expertise tree or jumping from identity response because she did a shove, a follow-up, and now a jump. And now for some reason, Ahsoka's on a spot with some B2s and they're canceling each other out scoring-wise. And the B2 thought, the player with the B2 thought they were going to score him that turn because the struggle just flipped or something, right? Right. So she's sneaky that way. She's really sneaky. And her mobility is really awesome. I mean, we know it with Maul, the double advance, right? But the double advance paired with all this movement outside of her turn is what really makes her hard to master, but I think really rewarding when you figure it out. I think you're absolutely correct. And I think that's why it's really interesting because with Shatterpoint, we had so many releases in quick succession that we actually didn't really get much time to digest all the characters in the core box themselves. And I think once Mm -hmm. people, especially content creators, start saying things, right, and sharing their takes, and then the community side of kind of starts moving in a general direction where it's almost like an echo chamber, right? Where everyone's just saying, yeah, Gar is good, but Django's just always better. Or, yeah, Ahsoka's good, but XYZ is just better, and here's why, and you should just not spend the effort or energy playing this character. But I do like how in local events, or maybe even in less casual settings, not to say that this wasn't a competitive setting, but just in addition to that, you can experiment and really enjoy playing with some of those quote-unquote off-meta characters. Because mastering and unlocking them can make them meta characters. Absolutely. And I'm trying to do that with Ahsoka. I'm really trying to figure her out and enjoy her. And I've had a really good time with her. But 
she's definitely not plug and play, you know? And I think something you said really stuck out to me there, Amon, it's some of these corset bottles might have gotten forgotten quickly because think about it. Day one, we had Dooku and Obi-Wan drop with the corset, right? And Dooku and Obi-Wan continue to be standouts. They continue to be and their tags, right? So it makes sense that someone like maybe Ahsoka or Anakin would be left behind a little bit initially, right? And I think more people should be playing them. We should be figuring them out more. And so we're trying to do that. And all that to say in this game, like Ahsoka was very good to me because I got to keep moving around the board constantly because Separatists, what do they do? They do multiple attacks for free. Well, Ahsoka loves that, especially from range, right? Because she gets to defensively do stuff when they're shooting at her or her allies, right? And the key with this list, Amon, you know, I know you've played this list as well, but speaking more broadly to the listeners, the Manda list, I, I don't think it's been talked about enough. And we did talk about it aggressively early on, but I do think it's one of the better lists in the game. Not that it's like backbreaking, but I do think it is a unique list in the position that it is, which to me feels like it's like pure mid-range. Where it's like every time you pull a model from your deck with this list, you could do something very impactful or you could just hold the lead you have. As opposed to some other lists where it's like, well, I'm just going to murder you to death with melee or Republic lists where it's like, I got to get this sequence of cards to set up things. And if that happens, it's really powerful things happening. Mandos isn't like that. Everyone's kind of at a an awesome mid-level. No one's like over the top, bad or good. And it just works. But the hard part about that is Every time you pull a card from your deck, you really have to make the right decision to keep that lead. And it's kind of hard to know what to do every time you pull a card from the deck. Yeah, and I think that's part of the skill expression with that particular deck, right, is you can take... It's not necessarily a good list, but it's a good synergy, right? Very good. And then all the characters, I mean, if you were to rank every supporting character individually, and I would say Super Commandos certainly are up there, Clan Krees as well, and then... Bo-Katan is the best with them, right? And then whether it's Django or Gar or even Obi-2 or whatever, whomever you want to throw in there, fine. And then having Maul, obviously, great tier one piece, unlocks a lot of potential, helps with the force economy of getting those jumps. And then from there, you can do the Lumi or the Ahsoka or whomever, really. Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be no. one of those two. But it's awesome. It is awesome. And I think something like Clan Kree's awesome in this list, maybe not so good outside of this list, right? Like, Clearly, something like Ezra Arfs is probably just better than Clan Kree's in a vacuum, right? But that's not the point of this list. The point of this list is every time Gar and Bo go, I get a global jump of any Mando on the map, right? Anytime, additionally on that, anytime they go, they get to move and jump, presumably on their turn as well, right? So there's so much like repositioning with this list and just keeping the scoring up on your opponent. And that's really what a lot of it is. It's, it's, it's very, I respond to you unless I have an exact game plan that I want to execute with this list every time. I think that's really fun. That's And that's kind of the mid-range thing I'm talking about, right? And then what's cool about Ahsoka and Maul is at the drop of a hat with their force speed, they can reposition as well pretty quickly. You know, if you're utilizing the map and ingress points and stuff as well. So it's a very fast and furious list, right? If you set it up correctly. So that's ended up having this game goes. This was a very low wounding game against Taylor. Taylor only wounded one model and I only wounded two, but I took a two struggle victory mainly through Ahsoka doing the thing I'm talking about being a defensive response to stop scoring or to score. Right. So that was kind of insane. Maul didn't do much of anything in this game. 
except like, you know, get quickly to a point to score, right? Which he's very good at, especially that sinister cunning. I just had to weather the grievous. <laughs> I just had to weather the grievous. Murdering clan crees and stuff. It's just going to happen, right? You know it's going to happen with Grievous. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think that also goes to show that like, if you have good positioning and you have good game sense and you can understand and maybe play out a couple turns or I guess in this case, try to make an educated guess on what's going to happen, then getting your characters wounded isn't that bad of a deal because you can have backups and you can have or if it's like, hey, I'm going to lose this struggle, I might as well just start setting up for a struggle two, right? And so struggle two, if you take the time to study all the missions, you can have a good idea of how to set things up. And so you can try to minimize attrition. Obviously, dice are going to dice, right? 100%. No, you, you, you can keep an eye on them too. And I think a lot of what I learned from these games this weekend in particular and something I've been trying to implement more is like, also, man, you can stop in your tree anytime, you know? And when you're fighting a list that has a Dooku identity... Maybe you don't want to wound that primary and give them all those free triggers, right? Okay, let's just ruin Dooku's efficacy and not wound Grievous, right? But put all the conditions on him, but continue to lay the herd on the droid supports when I can, because they won't trigger the Dooku identity. So there's a lot of things like that. And I think Taylor made one major mistake in this game that we talked about after, which was he had an opportunity to shatter point. This is, keep in mind, he'd already, he'd gotten the early Kalani draw, which was great for him. So then when he got to a shatter point, he was like, I'm not really sure what to do. And I think a prime time to shatter point there would have been Dooku. Get the free movement of Dooku in the model and then get Dooku on the midline. Because something Maul and Ahsoka definitely don't like is dueling with Dooku, right? And I say that because in this game, Dooku could never catch up to the main fight because it was always repositioning. Because he was putting so many resources into Grievous with like the shatter pointing of Grievous a lot and stuff. You know what I mean? Instead, Dooku could have been going with Shatterpoint, giving the free droid move, doing something maybe impactful, or maybe not, just moving to a point and being Dooku defensive, right? And then maybe go with Dooku again later, and he's not left behind. Because that is one of Dooku's weaknesses, is that he can just get left behind by the rest of the droids easily. Yeah, that is interesting. He's not fast. But he doesn't need to be. No. In holding Dooku for so long... Dooku was never doing his best thing, which is right. being a guy that sits on a point and asks a question, do you want yeah, to duel you, me? You yeet Dooku onto the <laughs> midline as fast as you can. You do not want to duel that man, right? On a midline. You just want to avoid it. So that was round two. And let's move on to round three. And it's funny, I'm on that the guy that had the same record me round three was also running Separatists. So it seemed like our local area, people had caught on to the Separatists. And this was Clint, and he was one of those players I'd never played before, but he said he had a lot of games under his belt. He'd been learning the game, practicing a lot, with Separatists in particular, and his list was really cool, Amon. He had Grievous and Maul and all droids. So he had Grievous, Kalani, Magnus, Maul, Kraken, B2s. Mm. So essentially, you're trading Dooku to Maul, and you're gaining one more point to play with, right? So you can get the B2s in, which is clearly what he wanted to do. And this was definitely, I mean, as it should have been, the toughest game of the weekend and a really good match. Any thoughts about Grievous and Maul together with all droids? I think it works. We've talked about this in the past a little bit, I think. And it's it's certainly a list that functions, right? I mean, you have two beat sticks and Maul and Grievous. And you have all of the separatist strategy and Maul unlocks the force economy a little bit better, though. Maybe not necessarily needed, but I mean, it's cool. You have a little bit of control through him as well. 
Yeah. I don't think it's bad, man. I think if that won a tournament, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, how? You know, it's good. Absolutely. And something that he does in this game that you just alluded to is he had more force economy. So anytime Kraken or Kalani went, no matter what, they were going to do the tactical network, right? They had the force economy to do it, right? Even if they're going with the shatter point, he could do it. He also could, you know, do Grievous's force expenditure as well. So this game was also on the Lothal board because Lothal board was table one of the weekend. And it was really fun. I mean, it was one of those games where the mall off is always interesting and tough, I think, depending on which player goes first, which player kind of steps up to plate, puts themselves out there the first time, you know. But also, Ahsoka is a pretty good counter to Separatists if you're playing her right from range. And then even Grievous, when he does that big swing, she can cut that in half, right? Which I think is a really neat thing you can do with this list. And you can do more readily because Maul doesn't tax your force economy, right? I did the same thing I did earlier where I tried to lay on as many attacks and pins from range from the midline onto his droids before they got to do all the cool droid stuff, you know? So it's really helpful. I mean, even if you can like reduce a couple dashes that mm. the droids would normally have, it really makes a difference, right? That Kalani can provide and stuff. And what was crazy about this game is Ahsoka was deep in his lines because she was responding to the wounds that he was doing to me, right? And she was moving up the table. And I played Maul extremely defensively this game, stayed in his Sinister Cutting the whole time and repositioned a lot, you know, avoid Grievous, right? Avoid his Dark Rage Maul when I could, you know, and just play very flighty. And once again, our wounds were low. We both did about four wounds and... I took two struggles back to back because of Ahsoka. Like struggle two flipped. He had B2s on one of those new points. It flipped. He's like, this makes sense. I'm going to attack Ahsoka or I'm going to attack an ally, right? Ahsoka's going to respond. She's going to hit the B2s with five dice. She's going to shove them. She's going to follow up. She's going to jump, right? All of a sudden now, the B2s who thought they had an easy scoring at the top of struggle two are now tied with Ahsoka, right? On a point not even Ahsoka's turn, right? So she is this awesome response piece in these games. Yeah, I mean, I think that's well summarized, Jesse. I'm not necessarily sure if I have anything to add. It is interesting that games two and three, the players that clearly had won their prior games, were the two Separatist players at the event. Separatists are still good. Yeah. Guys piloting them are passionate. It's interesting because Separatists actually, I think, are a faction that is very good in the beginning life cycle of your game experience. It's the first box that has clear and strong synergy and unfamiliarity or a lack of positioning can cause you to lose against that list. I think as you get more familiar with the game, that list becomes easier to beat. It's still good, but it's definitely like the first roadblock that you experience as a newer player, maybe. Yeah, I would say it's definitely one of the more meta lists that's not like backbreaking, right? But it's like, it's something we all have to learn how to beat. It's something that's always going to be good and thematic, right? So I think all that makes sense, Mon, with what you're saying. And I can tell you about the seven players that were there in the list real quick. Just kind of give you a snapshot that I think a lot of people either think is good or fun in our local area. It'll make more sense. So I took Ahsoka Mall, of course. I mentioned Kyle was there, my dear friend. He took a very interesting list, Grand Inquisitor and Cad Bane, with a lot of Inquisitor paydays going on. 
Kyle ended up taking second of the event, by the way. If we could have gone to a fourth round, him and I would have played because he ended up picking up his last game as a win, right? And then we just missed each other earlier in the day, right? But then those two separatist players were next that I mentioned, Grievous Dooku, Maul Grievous. And then, of course, we had a Maul Talzin player there. Then we had a Ahsoka Anakin player there. And then we had, of course, Amber, who I played earlier, who was the Obi-Wan Asajj. No Vaders. Let's start there. No Vaders in the whole tournament. No Vaders in the whole tournament. No Obi-2s. Not sure about that because I didn't see everyone's list because list locking wasn't required on the Longshanks. But I don't think there was an OB2. No. And part of that, Amon, might be the price of the box. Yeah. I, can I don't know if all these players owned that. Right. I also had a conversation with myself at the start of the tournament where I was like, do I want to play Gar or do I want to play OB2? Because mm. you guys know I played OB2 in that Gar spot and had a lot of success with it as another person who can just hold a point by himself, which List already wants to do. But because there was new players and it was our first event, I made a decision to not play OB2. Because I don't want anyone to feel gotcha, you know? Everybody knows Gar's going to shoot you from range five and put pins and shoves on you, right? But I think some of the new players have been like, what does Obi-Wan do? And I'm like, well, he can mind trick, he can shut off an attack, right? And so I'm happy that didn't, I didn't take him the first tournament. I'll definitely take him in the future because he is my favorite model to play in the game. But I think it's a cool spread. I tried to win struggles without rolling dice, if possible. My wounds weren't very high for the tournament. I mean, there's certain players that have way more wounds than me there and just adapt to what your opponent is doing this list is very good at that so i think i got a little lucky with a medical there you know but i also think mandos are really good everybody keeps forgetting about it so i would have loved to play kyle if we went to round four unfortunately there was no fourth rounds because topic i'm gonna bring up now i'm on you know three rounds is plenty for a tournament like this right but several of these players ran to time in some of their games hmm and the struggle scoring and the wounding scoring would have been slightly different maybe in some of these rounds if games went to time less. Additionally, we did play with, of course, Mission Critical. That seemed to help, but I don't know. I'm curious if you've seen this at your local level or in other circles, but one or two players were frustrated. The irony is the players that were frustrated were the players that were running to time every time so clearly it was partly them partly their opponents but i'm curious like outside of mission and critical what are some ways we can look at this now you know and surely part of it's just we're all getting faster it's interesting because i think when you're going to an event with newer players especially i mean honestly regardless if it's online or in person you're going to experience players who approach the game differently and some of those approaches may require a little bit more time and thought and i think that's a skill right so if you're gonna tell players that hey in order for an event to move along or for both players to have equal time that's never going to happen in a non-chess clock environment and so oftentimes my experience whether it has been online or in person is that my opponent generally takes more time than me not always same for the most part, my opponents are taking their time, and that can be chalked up to the fact that there is a lack of familiarity with the game, a lack of familiarity with the tools, whether you know it's online or in person, and then a lack of familiarity in the matchup, right? And most of our games tend to be league games online, so I think in those type of environments, you're just trying to like make you're meeting someone for the first time, you yeah. don't get to see their face and their body language, you're putting everything up 
you're being very polite. And again, we all acknowledge that this game is newer. So I think there's a lot of laxity in those environments. But I think if you want to work on time and if time is a frustrating option for you, then you need to implement a chess clock as an individual or as a community. And on TTS, like, you know, I just played a game recently with a one hour chess clock. We had a very back and forth game. We went to struggle three and we both still had 20 plus minutes left on our clocks. Right. Right. So what that tells me is that you could have made that 45 minutes and we could have probably still finished our game. But I think one hour is more than enough to play Star Wars Shatterpoint and both players get a use of that hour. That means if you go all the way to time, you know, then in theory, you played a two hour game, which again, I think at this point is a little bit longer for Shatterpoint than the average game. So that's something I would recommend. If you find that you don't want to play chess clocks and you want to work on your timing, then just go with your gut feeling. Or what maybe you need to do is when you build your list, you need to write down some of the things that you need to like think about and then reference that in between rounds. Obviously, you can't use a game aid during the game unless your community is allowing that, then that's fine. But what I've done in the beginning of other games, I uh, don't do that too much now, but was like, okay, if I'm familiar, unfamiliar with this, then write it down. You know, is this person in position? Did I use this trigger? And I have a checklist. But I think that comes with experience and time. But I think the last thing I'd say here is when in doubt, do something. Because either it's the right thing or it's not and you will learn from it. Absolutely. And you're also going to have more time in those later struggles where you might need a little second guessing yourself, right? And maybe thinking of the right play or who do I go with the Shatterpoint card, right? Yeah. But I think Chess Clocks is the best solution. Just slap an hour on there. Play Agreed. your game. You can use chess clocks in the mod. Try it. I do think chess clocks are a little bit harder to implement for Shatterpoint, but I think it's a great idea, Mon, because I I only play MCP on chess clocks. I don't do it any other way. From the moment of trying chess clocks the first time, you just realize so quickly how fair it is to both opponents and how much time maybe you are overthinking or not using or things like that. So I get behind that. I also like Mission Critical. I think it incentivizes you to finish your turns quickly, right? Because you're going to score quicker. But it's just interesting because I think it came, it definitely came up with this tournament with a couple of player pairings. And it's something as someone who's wanting to build my communities, I would like to decrease people's frustration on time as well. But full transparency, we had two hour timers for our rounds and we had about 10 minute setup periods. So we had even more than two hours, including setup, right? So all the tables were pre-marked with objectives. We did that top of the tournament. I did that. I made sure everything was marked. And then all the terrain was set up, right? So we had more than two hours per round, technically. I'm curious as to why you don't think check clocks work for Shadowpoint, because I had no, no issue. I think they definitely work. I think they're... I could see them being more daunting for new players because But of that's the, like any game with chess clocks, though, you know? Yeah, I just... Shadowpoint's got more responses. It's got more interesting things going on. Right. So you play the Talzin list a lot, right? Yeah. I played it in the recent game and I'd say, hey, switch to me. I'm going to think about my Talzin trigger and then switch back because it is my time I'm using. 100%. No. And I think it just would be daunting for new players. But I mean, I think if players started playing on it, they would see, like you said, how much time they actually have or maybe how much time your opponent's actually using. I would slow down. It'd be great. That's what happened for me in MCP. When I started playing a clock, I was like, oh, I have way more time. You know, I'm playing too fast, right? So I definitely think AMG should pipe in on it at some point, If but they never did for MCP, so I'm not really sure 
They're not going to. It's going to be a community. It's going to be a community solution for sure. AMG makes games for everyone, not just competitive players. That's going to Absolutely. be their stick, right? So Absolutely. But yeah, all in all, went 3-0 and with Mandos. It was fun. I think the next tournament will also try something fun and different. Excited to be there and really excited to meet all these new players. So all my opponents, by the way, I'm on were people I'd never played before, which is to me, awesome. my fate. Like I said, me and Kyle never crossed paths. And I got to meet cool people like Taylor, Clint, and Amber that I'd never met before that were big members of the Legion community here. Awesome. Also good to see them come over across the tide, you know? So, but yeah, I was just getting your thoughts on that running out of time situation. And if you'd seen it much on your local level and something to keep an eye out, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've seen it quite a bit. I think also your Nova games I've battle report mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard because it wasn't a super competitive event, right? It was marketed as casual Shatterpoint tournament. So I'm not going to create a fuss or, or ask, you know, I did say like, Hey, I think we're running out of time at some points. Like, do you think out of respect for both of us to get the best game in that we possibly can? Like, do you think we could move a little faster? And that's good. But I never called a TO or anything because like, what are the stakes? Nothing, right? It's an unrated event. There's not even long shanks to like worry about, right? Like, <laughs> so in that situation, I just wanted to make sure we both walked away having a good time. Yeah, I mean, it was a factor in my round one game for sure. And I think it was a combination of my opponent was new-er and then also unfamiliar with what I could do with my units. But again, that comes with practice, right? Like you're never, ever going to be fast if you don't practice being fast. And how do you practice being fast? Number one way is to play more games. Number two way is to play games with that specific list. Not always change it up. Yeah. Kind of stick to something for a while, right? Before you kind of figure it out. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have pretty strong feelings on the time thing I'm on, and it's been so awesome at MCP with Chess Clock, so I could totally get behind that for Shatterpoint. But I think the strongest feeling I have on the topic to close it out is just, I think if you do play a slower player and you feel like you never got to do all your actions you should have been afforded in the game, you feel like you were playing a different game than the game you're supposed to be playing, You know, where you get a certain amount of actions and get through a certain amount of struggles, in our case, with Shatterpoint or you get through a certain amount of scoring rounds in Marvel Christ Protocol or whatever. I have had those games where it doesn't happen, and it is a feels bad, you know? So I think it's, it's a part of the player contract and respect for your opponent, I think, is playing as fast as you can to what you feel comfortable with. I agree. Important thing is to have fun as well. Absolutely. And I think both, like as you said, both players feel like they had a fun, fair, good game when they walk away feeling well, time wasn't a factor. I got to do everything I wanted to do. They got to do everything they wanted to do. And, you know, we got to have some cool lightsaber duels. But speaking of that, let's talk about the TTS cuts because that's also been going on, which has been really fun. Yep. Got lucky enough to make it to the top eight. And I played a recent game against Morgan Reed, who, if you are familiar with MCP, used to be one of the co-hosts for Strike Better. And I was a big fan of his, I think, as a listener. I admired his dedication, his insight, and his high level of play. And when he left the podcast, I was, you know, disappointed because, you know, I enjoyed listening to his particular insights. And so I remember hearing a long time ago, and we actually got to chat about this after our game, was he had said like if there was a Star Wars version of MCP and there was <laughs> Vader in it, he would play it. And he laughed because he remembered saying that when I brought it up. That's so and cool. then when Shadowpoint was announced, I knew he would 
pop back up. And so he did, which I'm very happy to see because I think he's a wonderful player. But then also, it was just fun because now I was like, maybe I'll get to actually play this guy because I never got to play him in MCP before he hung up the mantle, the cape, if you will. So we got to play our game. It was a lot of fun. So going into the game, I knew he was going to play Vader because his profile picture is Vader, for crying out loud. I think he had done his homework on me as well. And so right before I was like, you playing Vader, huh? Right before the reveal, we had both already imported the code and we had count down an import. And he was like, I pegged you for Maul and Talzin. And so when the team popped up, obviously it was his Vader and I was Maul and Talzin. So we knew what was up. We knew what we're getting into. Now, we both played some very strong non-continuity meta lists. Morgan, as I mentioned, played Maul and Vader. He had Django, ARF, Troopers, OB2, and Bounty Hunters in his list. And I had Talzin and Maul with Night Sisters, Super Commandos, Django, and OB2. Same secondaries, different supports, but all those supports can be considered to be some of the top supports in the game. So Oof. gloves were off and we were definitely duking it out. Unfortunately, things didn't pan out for me. And I think I walked away from that game not upset or not mad because A, I knew my opponent was fantastic. But B, I made mistakes and I have to own that. And C, I can't control the things I can't control. And so you can't get hung up and you can't get mad on that. No. And I think very early on, to give you a bit of a recap, my first activation, I get Supermandos. I didn't want to go straight to the middle. We had the snake set up for mission one and I was player one, which is a very interesting conversation to have, actually. That's right. That's something that I think you had mentioned as well is I really was hoping I wasn't player one because there's no true benefit at the moment for this game. Very similar to how the MTP conundrum was in the early games of that game's life cycle was, man, like, I want to be player two because player one's second turn, his hope or their hope rather is to bring it to neutral and make it net. So unless you outperform or outscore player two, player two should, in theory, have the advantage going throughout the struggle which is unfortunate. Sure, I get to pick my mission pack. Well, there's only one mission. Right. And then secondly, I get to orientate the map, but I didn't do that either because I didn't think there was much point. Later on, I wish I had, and this is something that I alluded to earlier in this episode where there are certain things that look cool on maps that actually are a detriment to gameplay, and I'll talk about that a little bit. But it was a good game. I think first off... So I got my supermandos, I moved them to the right midpoint rather than the central midpoint because central midpoint means anyone can come and attack them. And unfortunately, Morgan gets Vader and Vader is right across from the supermandos. So double advance, one shots my mandos. Yep. And it's certainly something that you have to take in stride, right? First activation of your opponent's game, they preload the dice, they have Vader's Fury, rolling 10 dice, he gets eight hits, a crit, and one expertise. And so I roll my dice, I get two fails and three expertise, and I'm like, oh boy, here yep. we go. So Mandos get one shot, fine, it happens, let's move on. And then I think I got so flustered that I got one shot that I forgot my Talzin trigger. So that's my first mistake, right, is the Talzin trigger, I forgot it. And that was me just, I think, trying to ensure that I didn't tilt. And so my focus was, all right, don't get mad, it's just one dice roll, let's move on, let's mm -hmm. try to see what happens. And in that moment, I just forgot to do something. And Morgan and I had agreed moving before the game started, which I did appreciate a lot of his time and energy, was Morgan before our game was that we both 
agreed on everything. So Morgan was like, we're going to try to play with chess clocks. Great. He suggested that we take it to the highest level and play the best games that we can. Great. So we said no take backs. And we said, once you move a model and you place them, that's it. And that includes deployment as well. So that was something that I had not experienced yet. But again, you know, we're top eight, presumably in the world, right? Small subset of obviously the people who play the game, but right. people from all over. So I did appreciate that. So forgot my trigger. We moved past the window. So I just said, damn, I forgot my trigger, but no worries. Let's move on. And he said, yeah, sorry, mate. So then I get Talzin and I try to move her up the board. Maul comes in, one shots my Talzin. So I'm thinking, oh no, here we are. This might just be one of those games where dice are a factor. But I hate blaming dice because I ever put myself in a decision to play dice. It's because we're both evenly matched or I made mistakes and now I'm trying to hope luck is in my favor. Mm-hmm. Very fortunately, in, into the course of the game, my Talzin starts going off and I one-shot his mall, and then I one-shot another one of his supporting units. So at that point, I made a comment proactively to Morgan and said, hey, looks like my dice are starting to pick up a little bit. I'm glad that our dice are now equal, quotation marks. And he said, yeah, mate, like I just didn't want it to be where I just rolled you. And I said, absolutely, because that's unfortunate, right? No one wants that. Even if you win, you kind of feel bad about those wins. So with dice fairly being equal at that point, it came down to positioning and I think the micro decisions. And so there was a couple decisions that I think maybe could have implemented me from winning the game. I think struggle one was just a combination of I lost two of my units very quickly, three of my units actually in struggle one. So half my team couldn't actually contest the point. In addition to that, I feel like I brought OB2 to deny some of his attacks, but I never got to draw OB2 because he was literally the last card in my order deck. But I wonder if I had shatterpointed him up instead could have helped me have more survivability. So that's like a thought process that I had that could have maybe altered the results of struggle one, if not the game, maybe, who knows. And then he wins struggle one, we go to struggle two, and I think I was prepared to fight really hard for struggle two. I think the interesting thing about winning struggle one is that you can afford to lose struggle two. With with struggle two, you have to just go and give it your all just to make it to game or struggle three and then potentially to lose, right? I got very lucky in that I never get this. And so I was very happy I got it where I got the two back points, right? And I, and I told Morgan, I said, I'm sorry that I drew this, but I'm also grateful because this is going to help me, you know, reset. Yep. And he said, don't worry about it. And we both agreed that that particular shape in the mission pack is just not a fun mission for like one person's going to get annoyed that it popped up. You can't control what you can't control. So you take it in stride, whether it's in your benefit or against you. So I was able to reset and I did try to put on some damage because I knew I was going to win that struggle. Right. So my whole goal was to just try to put as much damage onto his units to give me the advantage in struggle three. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. Like I tried to take out Django, couldn't. I tried to take out his Maul, couldn't. I tried to take out his Vader, I couldn't. The Vader thing was really important, actually, because it was more about displacing Vader. Unfortunately, there was this pipe that was on the backside of the building where I was trying to shove Vader off. And again, it looks cool, but it's actually detrimental to your gameplay because if I shove Vader off, I actually have to clear. I couldn't. It's impossible to shove him off the building because he would always land on the pipe and there was always a little bit of overhang. 
he agreed that it was silly, but like, what can you do? You can't delete the pipe, right? So we kept it. It is what it is. I tried to set up, I tried to get cute with Django at one point as well, where I tried to put Django in a position where when his Vader activates, I can just not so fast and try to get a big swing. And two things. A, I said that out loud because I think we were being so transparent with one another. I felt so comfortable. And I don't know if I had just said, hey, this is what's going to happen because maybe he wouldn't have noticed. He's a great player, so he probably would have, but that doubt is in my head. Number two, he did this really smart thing where he just moved Vader away and wounded his own Vader by leaving combat from my supermandos. And because Vader was on two, gives me a momentum, sure, but that ensures that he gets all his activations, right? And then... Also clears some of Vader's conditions, right? If he had strain exactly. or pinned or... He did have strain, yeah, so, so he cleared the strain as well. Yeah. So then at that point, I'm like, oh no... I feel like I wasted my Django activation. And then his Django gets in a position where he can not so fast my maul. And then unfortunately, he high rolls on his bounty hunters into my Django. But I, for some reason, rolled really well on defense. And that leaves my Django on one. And who guess where Django is within three of his Django? So we have this weird like Reservoir Dogs triangle where it's like everyone's pointing guns at one another. And the moment someone activates, everyone's dead, right? The Django problem. It is the Django problem. In full, in force. full force. And it was it was for his Django too. If yeah. he activated his Django, I not so fast his Django. Because you're and only out in that situation is doing a bunch of recovers with other models to the Django. And you've still got to draw them. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. then you still, okay, now two or three damages off Django. But he could also just still roll and get you. Even after those recover actions as well. Exactly. That. And then on top of that, like I was like, maybe I can shatter point Talzin or I draw Talzin and then dash Maul out of there. But I don't know. I don't remember why or how Maul had a pin, but he had a pin on him. And so yep. that was the final nail in the coffin, right? At that point, it was in that moment, Amon knew he was screwed. <laughs> so in that situation, I just, I knew I was going to lose at that point. And my whole concept was how can I stop the loss? And I had 20 plus minutes. So I said, Morgan, I'm going to have a quick bit of a think. And I think I tried. I really thought about my options. I said, maybe my only point here is maybe I can get Maul off this point. And this is probably my final mistake here is shoved Maul once. I didn't follow through, which would have given me a better angle to move Maul off the point so that Talzin could get the point so that I wouldn't have to spend the force for her to move Maul away, dash him away through her ability. And then I could have saved that force for obi2 to stop the clap back because as soon as i was able to win that point by spending all that force i had said morgan if you draw maul this game is over and i have a feeling you're gonna draw maul and he draws maul maul comes in and one shots my talzin needs to be clarified my my talzin had damage on her a little bit already yep yep but it didn't you know it was still a great role but can't control that so i'm not worried about that and that's when i was like yeah that's it and so I was like, hey, game's over. And we had such a pleasant chat, such a nice guy. We had great conversation about the concept of Shatterpoint, building premier leagues or building premier teams for leagues, how he should maybe approach his following matchups moving forward, given some of the concerns and some of the exciting things about his particular list as well. And man, I can't wait to play each other again. And now we're friends. And so we mentioned that we'll be practicing together. So that's exciting because... I gained a friend, I gained a good practice partner, and I had great conversation. And I can't get mad because I lost that game because when you have a great opponent, you know, and, and Morgan gave me the compliment of saying that, you know, he thought 
that there was a good chance in struggle three that I could take it, you know? So yeah, very high praise from such a great player that he's saying, okay, we're both equal skilled. The difference was I made mistakes. He did not And doesn't matter on the unvariables, right? I do. I do think that his order deck was perfect. And he said that he owned that. And again, you can't control that. Like, why would I make him feel bad for that? I'm not going to, that's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the game. And I'm not going to get mad about it either. So I actually, that was the first high stakes game loss I've ever had where I walked away, like no issues. I forgot mm. about it 10 minutes later Great. while I went to go, go do other things. I actually played some Baldur's Gate 3 with some buddies and dude, I'm telling you, man, like a growth from me as a person, which I love. I appreciate that. I love that because the old Amon, maybe a couple years ago would have been a really salty individual. I think number two. And that's the victory. Yeah, exactly. The that's the victory, victory for me. Yeah. And Morgan did mention he's a fan of the show as well. So that was awesome to hear. Like I was a big fan of his show. Uh, he's a fan of our show. He listens. So that was amazing as well. I wish him the best of luck and, you know, the battles to come for him. And I hope he does win, if only because I can say I lost to the, <laughs> the winner. <laughs> but one of our patrons is also in the top eight as well. His name is Kevin, Emperor Kevin. He's executive producer for the show. And I told him the moment I lost, I said, hey, Kevin, bring it home. It's now in your hands. You know, take it home, bring it home. Would love to have that not only for Kevin, because he's an amazing player and he's a good friend of our show, but also he's now, you know, I guess part of the Hello There community. And so he's going to rep us a little bit. And the last thing I want to say is that this game was streamed. So you can watch all of my mistakes on YouTube. And it was hosted by Sydney City Space Slug. So Google them. I will put the YouTube link in the show notes so you can check that out. Yep. Very nice individuals. Awesome members of the community and they're trying to grow Shatterpoint and their channel and jesse you watched it you said the commentary was good i haven't watched it yet i will at some point and i'm sure i'll be raging and get my screen <laughs> very good but commentary. hey it is what it is very good commentary good. good i have my own commentary as well as i told them on when we first rolled up yeah i mean i'd love to hear your thoughts you watched it is there anything i missed or what are your general thoughts of that game in Premier. I think you nailed general, it. Right? You know, a couple of the elements that really stood out. I was yelling at my TV when you missed your first Talzin trigger because I know how impactful Talzin is just getting up the board. It's the similar conversation we just had today about Ahsoka, right? Where it's like, I reserve Ahsoka because I know one of my models will be wounded struggle one and she's getting a free advance, right? Before she actually goes with her card, right? And I think, unfortunately, that was really big in your game because a, a second model was wounded very quickly after the Superman does, right? And then Talzin would have definitely gotten to respond on that target because she would have already been further up the board. She'd have been two dashes in. And we just know how impactful her great mother side is with all those shoves, right? So she could do the Ahsoka thing, really, shove during the opponent's turn, right? Maybe negate some scoring and keep you in that struggle one. Because like you said, I do have opinions to Amon that might be incorrect, but that the game is a little bit harder when you're player one especially in this aggressive meta we're in. So I feel like you may be running the back foot a little bit being player one and having to put models out there that didn't score round one to be eaten by Vader and Maul, right? That's just nature of the beast, like you said. But I think the game's only going to get better when we get more objectives, like you mentioned, right? And more choice of table edge and stuff. So player one won't be the, the tough thing that it is right now. The uphill battle of struggle one maybe for player one especially when you're playing a game like that, where both you guys are both so high level, in one small advantage, like the player one, player two advantage, or one player making a mistake, another player not making a mistake, really could decide a struggle, maybe. 
or at least push the struggle a certain leaning statistically, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's what happened. And the only other thing I thought is the thing you already nailed. I don't have to tell you about it all. It's, I think we needed Obi-Wan in the battle sooner, you know, and doing his thing and making hard decisions of your opponent, whether it's, do you want to make Obi-Wan mind trick or do I want to attack Obi-Wan and he does defensive things and still holds the point and I feel like I lost my turn because I attacked Obi-Wan, you know? So other than that, I mean, you guys had a really good game. You guys both had some really good Maul play, really good Django play. Vader and great Vader and great mother, Talzin, are still great. <laughs> There's still great models in the game, right? Yeah. We had a good chat, actually. We were talking about... Well, first of all, thank you dark for your side. feedback, I think. Yeah, we were talking about the dark side. We're both dark How side strong guys, they but... are and how well you guys pilot that dark side. I think Morgan made a good point. He thinks, so I believe that Maul Talzin or Maul Vader is arguably one of the best lists in the game. Mm -hmm. And Morgan said Talzin Vader, and that had been a lingering suspicion of mine for a while. And so now I'm willing to experiment and try that a little bit more. It was really, we had some great conversation because we also both are very high on Plo and how Plo can actually naturally fit into this list, right? So you have your Talzin list, you have your Maul list, you have your Vader list, and then instead of Dooku or Lumi or Grievous, you can put Plo and put Padawan Snips, who is fantastic under Vader, right? For sure. And then get your own supporting unit, and then you have a great Republic team that still plays with Vader because we had a little bit of conversation based on the fact it was like, how do you build lists? And so he hadn't listened to our premiere episode yet, but he was saying like, how do you like to build lists? It looks like you have two teams that function well together. And I said, true, Maul and Lumi is that Mando list, but the cool thing is I can play Maul with any one of my primaries. For sure. I can play Vader with two of my other primaries, and I can play Talzin with two of my other primaries. So I would say that mine is like that hybrid that everything can kind of play with everything except for Maul and Lumi, which, I mean, in theory it could, but I wouldn't want to, right? Yeah. Well, his thinking was, I want to play Vader, what pairs well with Vader in every list. The right? anchor list we talked about. The anchor list, exactly. And so I said, if that's what you want to do, you need to put Plo in your list. Sure. And we had some fantastic conversation and he didn't because he said that he didn't have the reps with it, but I think that's something we're both going to explore and that's try fair. to look into. It's really funny, actually. Morgan just messaged me. Perfect. Actually talking about our game follow-up. He was just saying some nice things here. So, oh, dude, lovely guy, man. Like, Absolutely, yeah. Would love to live next to a guy like that so we could just jam games and have good time. I trust anybody who's friends with Ryan Farmer, so I will say that as well. Yeah, I, I played Ryan Farmer too at one point, and he's such a nice guy as well. When we go back, me and him, with the Star Wars content creation world, so. Yeah, he's an X-Wing dude. Yeah. We crossed paths many times he's in the past. Shatterpoint. It's good stuff. Ryan has been painting some stuff for Shatterpoint, so I'm curious. He's a great painter. Well, great, Amon. Those are some fun battle reports, your in-depth discussion on your top cut game. We'll have to cover my top game another day. It's not as exciting as Amon's, but I also got knocked out of the top cut. So Kevin really is the last Jedi or the last Sith in the cut for us. Yeah. Hello there. But I feel very privileged, Amon, that you and I did well in our Swiss, that we made the cut. We made it this far, you know, and it's something I said to you off mic that I'll say to the listeners now, it a little bit of a blessing in disguise because we're about to be out of the country and the next round of our games might have been hard to schedule while we're playing the highest level of competitive MCP in a world tournament, you know? I mean, that's the grass is greener for me, that part, for sure. Yeah, true. And we're also in the elimination bracket or top cut for Hello There as well. That's right. And 
man, what some crazy games. I, I don't know if I can get too deep into it, but we seeded it, right? So it was the top eight. We originally had 28 players. So we probably should have done top four, but you yeah. know, it's we want to get as many games as we can. So. We just want to give people more opportunities for more games, yeah. Yeah, and we actually had an upset actually going into the round one, so that was really cool. So it's been good. Now we're in the top four. I had a crazy game in round one against an individual named Nick, and man, Mace Plo is dirty. And we had a ton of we had fifteen wounds in our game. That's so many. Yeah, dude, Mace was. I don't know if it's a bit maybe. <laughs> I told you, man, I roll like crap online, but. Mace and Vader just took me to school this past week, man. Mace killed like three things, one shot three things. So it was fun, man. Had a great time. And I was already on the fence about really experimenting and playing with Republic, but I'm going to double down on that. I'm going to, with the caveat that it's Vader in the Republic lists. Uh, Of course it is. Yeah, true. But it is Republic. So I will give you that. Yeah, I mean, dude, imagine Vader, Mace, Plo. That sounds fun. Oh, for sure. I don't know if Mace Vader is actually that good. That's interesting to think Yeah, about. it's something we need to experiment with for sure. And But the Jedi Master side, he has no recovers. I don't think so. Yeah. They future-proof that. But I mean, he does have recovers him on because of Jedi Master with Shatterpoint. It's a cover of three. True, but in that situation, would you play Vader or Mace on the Shatterpoint? Depends on what my force economy is like, right? Because you get... Yeah two force back and if that means another obi-wan mind trick or more padawan snips jumps it's going to be mace right fascinating i value my force economy and my recovering and holding my position maybe more than what vader can kill but it's also a playstyle thing yeah i also am convinced now that if you're going to play the vader anchor list you just put vader Django, arf that's your squad and you just put that in everything i mean yeah. it also could be vader obi no no, man. not so good. fast, Jesse. Uh, not so fast. It's a drug you got to quit, Amon. That drug. It is a drug. You know what I will say, though? I think that needs to be changed for the sake of the game. I've mentioned now that Vader should just only work with GE and GR. For sure. I think for Django, Whipcord, you said Whipcord needs to be two force. I agree with you. My change to not so fast would be adding the caveat or a condition that says if the enemy character was wounded, the player is allowed to draw again from their order deck. So what this allows the player to do, and this actually makes the game more interesting. Again, I'll tell you why, right? Mm. So if you not so fast me and my character is wounded, yep. then I have I still get to have my turn. So there's no negative play experience. There's no NPE for one player. It doesn't massively swing the game and feel bad. And now I get to my deck will refresh faster than yours. And that is another layer that's added to the game that's more interesting. It's like, do I want a not-so-fast? Because it's going to cost a force. It could fail. But B, do I want them refreshing their force faster? And that might not matter, but it will in certain situations. And I think that makes for more interesting play without feeling bad. Devil's Advocate here, does Django just not-so-fast the next target as well? Then you just say this can only be used if a character was taken out of, yeah. or, uh, I was going to say action, but wounded. It's the one use of it. It's a one year. I would that say you can turn. only react. You can't do a... Well, I mean, even if you could, that's you're spending force. And when Django is wounded, he has to spend two now, right? You also could just make not so fast like a deflector coordinated fire amount of damage. So you always know what you're working with. Yeah. Makes it more consistent for Django and the opponent fighting Django. If it's just two damage. 
I don't. I'm not saying that I don't fixes like, the problem. I lo- but yeah, you know. I like the suspense though. Oh yeah, of course, it makes it more cinematic and exciting. Because Morgan not so fast me and got zero, and that was awesome. I just couldn't risk that happening again. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> he's not getting zero next time. Yeah, he's probably gonna get five next time. Yeah. And my character is just dead. So the math is gonna even out. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed. This is our recent battle reports. Yeah, Amon and I are out of the top cut now. We're knocked out. But we are in the top cut of the Lothar League, and we are going to WTC very soon for Marvel Christ Protocol. So a lot of premier things still happening, <laughs> despite being knocked out, and excited to do more of it, for sure. Yeah, we're very excited. We're very happy at the rate at which Star Wars Shatterpoint is growing, Star yep. Wars is growing. I mean, we didn't have much time to talk about no. what we've been enjoying in Star Wars lately, and we'll certainly cover that in the next episode for the sake of time, but... It's damn good to be a Star Wars fan, man. What a time. It's a very exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. There's always something on the horizon, right? Which is absolutely wonderful. But of course, we got to close out the show here. And you guys can find us several places online. Most notably, you can find us on Patreon because we are supportive of our wonderful patrons there at patreon.com slash lowthercast. You can also find us everywhere on social media. That's X, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch, all at hellotheircast. You can always email us at hellotherecast at gmail.com and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. We always say, maybe if you can't help us out through the Patreon or something like that, you can definitely just jump on one of your podcast platforms and give us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Big shout out to Lofiel for our show's music. We really thank him and of course our sponsors as well. Thank you so much. Yeah. Of course, thank you to Mr. Laser and Imperial Terrain. And you can find me and Amon on several places online. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter on X, Instagram, Longshanks, and Discord, at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Hopefully, I'll be posting on those spaces some WTC coverage, also on Discord. And you can also check out my show, Fury's Finest, about everything Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. Amon, where can everyone find you? Everyone can find me on most places as Amon Kusro for my gaming stuff. It's a man who games. I'm also the host of Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. And we just dropped a ton of new stuff due to the impending release of the Death Gorge season. So we got some review product early and we deep dive and review all of that. Last but not least, I am the only Amon. So when building a premier list, just know that I am the best bang for your buck compared to the other Amons. Amon's going to use not so fast on you. Yeah, it's true. Facts. Facts. And Vader's Fury. But Amon also has a weakness to Vapad. And Dark Rage, apparently. Yeah. Those are your those are your And Sinister Cunning. Those are your your types that are your weakness. Sinister and cunning. reactions. Gosh. Reactions, yeah. Very good stuff. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's really fun to like recount our recent games of these high level events and do a more detailed battle report. It's not really something we've gotten to do on the show thus far, other than us kind of like talking about games in passing. So Hope you enjoyed this battle report format. Something we'll pursue in the future if you enjoy it. But until next time, may the force be with you. So uncivilized.